Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this Thursday edition of Hoops until my wife gets home. This is a short form podcast for NBA casuals ready to take it slightly to the next level. And I gotta just say it from the jump. Happy birthday to the GOAT. MJ turned 59 today. Big ups to him. I mean, man's not even 60. Look at all he's done. Greatest basketball player of all time. Greatest actor of all time. Greatest business owner of all time. Great owner. He, you know, also played baseball, so that's cool. But no, I'm just playing really, uh, I mean, fantastic, obviously, player. I truly think he's the GOAT. I think LeBron and Kobe don't even come close. I think he's a great owner of the Hornets. I think the Jordan brand's great. I loved The Last Dance. Space Jam's the greatest movie ever. So there you go. Big ups to MJ. Now, MJ, on one hand, is an NBA legend. But we're going to jump over and talk about the rising stars. You like that transition? I just came up with it on the spot just now. I feel like it's maybe my best one yet. That might be the goat of transitions right there. So NBA All-Star Weekend is upon us, and one of the events that we have yet to talk about is the one that happens tomorrow night, which is the Rising Stars Tournament. That's right, I did say tournament. It used to be called the Rising Stars Challenge, and it used to be rookies versus sophomores, and then it was Team U.S. versus the world, which is pretty funny. I I liked the way that sounded a lot. But gone are those days. This is the first year that we're trying something new, and it is the tournament, the Rising Stars Tournament. So just like a lot of All-Star Weekend, they've completely revamped the format. And going along with what they did with the All-Star Game, they actually got a pool of players and made it a draft. But instead of just two teams for a game, they did four teams, and they're doing a tournament between the four teams. So the player pool was made up of 12 rookies, 12 sophomores, and four players from the G League Ignite team. If you don't know about G League Ignite, it's pretty cool. I'm actually like pretty excited about it. Um, it's a new thing that the G League is trying as an alternate route to the NBA. Rather than playing in college in the NCAA or going and playing overseas as a route to the NBA, um, you could stay in the U.S., not go to college, and play for the G League and make some money. During that time, they work on developing your game, developing you as someone in the spotlight who has to do interviews. Um, They pair you with veterans who are going to help you kind of like learn and walk with you through this stuff, and you play against other G League teams. So it's attracted some pretty good talent. It's a lot of four- and five-star recruits who are, I mean, looking to make some money rather than go play for nothing in college and so it makes a lot of sense as a route to the NBA I think it's going to be pretty fun if they can expand it the way that they want to Um, and so yeah they took four players from that so each team is going to be coached by an NBA Hall of Famer the first coach is one of MJ's biggest rivals Isaiah Thomas Um, the other three are James Worthy Rick Barry and Gary Payton so Isaiah Thomas's team is going to take on James Worthy's team. Rick Barry's team will take on Gary Payton's team. And the winner of each of those games will take on each other and will crown a victor. So I think this is going to be a really cool event. And for anyone who's into the NBA a good bit, maybe you, you know, you're excited to see the All-Star game and all the big names that you expected to be there. 
But if you're like me, you've been really excited about some of these young prospects that are coming up and have already entered the NBA, and you want to really see a chance for them to like team up and just like put on a show and see what they can do. And this is the night for that. I'm hoping that these players take it seriously and actually like compete because I think this could be really, really cool. You have the top 12 rookies, the top 12 sophomores, and four people who are projected to be first-round picks next year. That's just the making of a really great game because it's 28 players who have something to prove, you know? It's not just a weekend where they get to kind of go and just, like, show off on this huge all-star stage and just take it easy, as happens at a lot of all-star games. Um, But it's really a chance for them to prove themselves, to put it on tape and show how good they are to the world, maybe to their team, to get more minutes or more money. And really just, you know, a lot of these young guys want to play a bigger role, and this is their chance to prove that maybe they should. And so I think there's going to be a lot more hunger in this tournament than we're going to see in the maybe in the All-Star game. I'm really excited about it. So I'm going to run through real quick. If you're interested in young players at all, you should really look at these full rosters because top to bottom, it's super exciting. But I'm just going to run through a few people on each team just to kind of give you the idea of who you're going to see here. And, again, it's really it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'll start with Team Barry, which has Cade Cunningham of Detroit. He was the first overall pick this year. Very talented person. After that, we got Evan Mobley from Cleveland. Um, again, great talent. A lot of people think he'll win Rookie of the Year this year. They also have Shingun from Houston, who's also, I mean, highlight player. Uh, and Franz Wagner uh, from the Orlando Magic. That's another person. Really, Cade, Evan, and Franz are all people who have been in the Rookie of the Year conversation all year. And so to see them all play on a team together is going to be a lot of fun. On Team Isaiah, you got Desmond Bain from Memphis. I'm excited to see anyone from Memphis on the floor anytime they play because that team is so electric. Uh, You also got Anthony Edwards from Minnesota. I got the opportunity to see him play uh, about a month ago. Another first overall pick, very talented, good player. So that's a good person to have on your team. They've got Tyrese Halliburton, who is now on the Sacramento Kings. And... The only man I can think of who I've seen try to bull rush LeBron, Isaiah Stewart. Team Worthy has also has some really good players. They got Cole Anthony from Orlando, Josh Giddy from OKC, who has been really lighting it up. I think he just had his third consecutive triple double, which is a really big deal for, I mean, someone that young. I think it's he's extending that record. Um, below him, Jalen Green from Houston, and another Jalen. Um, Jalen Suggs from Orlando. Also, I just want to point out something I noticed when I was making this list by quite a few Orlando guys. So that's kind of exciting. Orlando's a team that's not really been too exciting for a long time or, you know, too worth watching in a lot of ways. So for them to have some really good young players, it gives me a lot of excitement for what we can expect to see from them in the next few years. Okay, last team is Team Peyton which has Scotty Barnes, who's another person who's been in the Rookie of the Year conversation. He's a very talented defender. I think he loses some points on his offense, but truly an exciting player. It's been you know a while since you see a top draft pick and a Rookie of the Year contender who their main thing is defense. That's not really something you see often, so that just tells you how good this guy is. Um, they have DeSumo from Chicago, Davion Mitchell from the Kings, 
And then they have someone from the G League Ignite team who, if you haven't heard of this person, be prepared to hear about this person right now and in the coming months and years. And that's Scoot Henderson. Scoot is someone that everyone who keeps up with upcoming prospects is very excited about. So Scoot jumped into the NBA G League Ignite team after his junior year of high school. He signed a $1 million contract to play for them for two years. And at the G League Showcase, he averaged 24 minutes. And in those 24 minutes, he averaged 14 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds as a guard. He's really electric. You know, he does it all. He puts it all on the floor. He's a great bucket getter. He's a good defender. He's just an all-around really talented player. The fact that he's getting paid a million dollars from the time he's 17, I think, is a pretty good indicator of that. Like I said, he signed a two-year contract, so I don't think it'll be until next year's draft that we'll see him. But as we get closer to that, just really expect to hear about him more and more. That's going to start ramping up because he he is an exciting player, and I think people who don't know about him should really – tune in to what Team Peyton does this weekend and really get just a feel for who he is because he's going to be a future future first-round pick. And hopefully, you know, if things go as people think they will, a future great. He's very talented. And lucky for Scoot, he's going to be on a team with the reigning rookie of the year, LaMelo Ball. That's right. Team Peyton will also have LaMelo Ball um, because he's one of the top sophomores in the league. Which is also pretty interesting because LaMelo could be playing a lot of basketball this weekend. He's playing at least in one game in the Rising Stars tournament. If they win, maybe two. And then going on and playing in the All-Star game later. Obviously, his minutes may vary. He's only a reserve on the All-Star game. But it would just be interesting to see how hard he goes in the Rising Stars tournament and how much he saves for the All-Star game. And it'll also be interesting to see just like how much he can really keep up these highlight plays. I have a lot of faith in him, and I think he'll do a great job proving himself, but it will be interesting to see. So that's my quick summary on the Rising Stars tournament. Like I said, I really think it's going to be worth tuning into. So if you have some time this weekend and you're interested in seeing some of these young players who you're going to probably be seeing for a long time as a fan of the NBA, I really think it's worth tuning into. But if not, don't sweat it. I'll break it down for you guys. The other thing I wanted to jump into quickly is the New York vaccine mandate. Now, I in no way want to get political on this, but this is a very interesting saga and an interesting storyline that's been going on in the NBA world for a little bit now. So last year, New York enforced a mandate that New York athletes have to be vaccinated to be able to play in their stadium or their arena. And seems like this would have been fine, but as probably most of you know, Kyrie Irving did not uh, like this idea. He refuses to get vaccinated, and so he has yet to play in the Barclays Center since this mandate's come out. At first, he wasn't playing at all. The Nets eventually relented and have now allowed him to play on away games ever since they had some issues with COVID and injury and they just needed some bodies. I mean, why not take one of the most talented basketball players in in the world who's already on your roster and just let him play when he can. It makes sense, I think, from a basketball perspective. But it's also a hard call because if he's not there for practices and he's not there for home games, you can't rely on him. It's hard to build chemistry 
And then when the Nets are losing at home, you know, it's hard to not think as a player, why is Kyrie not here? You know, we'd be winning this if it wasn't for him just sitting out and not being a team player. So it kind of goes both ways. I think in some ways it makes sense as far as basketball play. In some ways it doesn't. I think it's bad for the culture. But either way, I'm not I'm not in the front office for the Nets. All I'm saying is that's where things are at. Kyrie's playing away games. He's not allowed to play at home. So New York has a new mayor. Mayor Adams replaced Mayor de Blasio last year. Um, Adams used to be the president of the borough of Brooklyn, which I did not know was a thing and is way cooler than saying mayor of New York. The president of Brooklyn? That's so hype, but that's not the point of what I'm trying to say. Commissioner Adam Silver is really putting a lot of pressure on him to change this mandate. And you may think, depending on what you think on vaccine mandates in general, that this is kind of a crazy thing for Adam Silver to press him on. And you might be right, but there is an interesting double standard here, and that's where the tension has really come in. Because it's only New York athletes who are affected by this mandate. An away player who's unvaccinated is allowed to play in the Barclay Center. But home athletes who are not vaccinated aren't allowed to play. On top of that, if an artist or musician comes in and wants to do a concert at Barclay, they don't have to be vaccinated. And so it's an interesting thing because the stated reason for the mandate is to protect the audience. And so I kind of think if that's true, then let's make sure that everyone who comes in is vaccinated. I don't think that's the way that the Nets are necessarily pushing the mayor. I think they're probably pushing for, I mean, nobody has to be vaccinated because they want Kyrie to play. And that that's coming at it from a basketball perspective, not from like a medical or whatever perspective. It, it is an interesting double standard that exists. And the fact that now there's a new mayor and they can press him on this, on a contradiction that was made by somebody else and ask him to fix it, there's a real chance that they could kind of overturn this, which one is just kind of interesting to know how much like the NBA can affect things behind the scenes that we don't really know about. But two, it'll be really interesting because if they do, that means Kyrie will be able to play at home games again, which is going to be a real game changer for the Nets. That will really help their chemistry. It'll really help their culture and it'll really make them a better team on a night to night basis. Because at that point, KD's not carrying all the load. Kyrie's there for every game and maybe they get Ben Simmons in there and he starts really cooking. That's a really solid team again all of a sudden. Not that they were ever bad, but it puts them a lot more in contention than they were before. And so it's just something to keep an eye on that if the NBA, if Steve Nash, if Adam Silver, if they can really push this new mayor to flip that mandate, it could really flip the rest of the season. Again, I don't want to comment on that politically, but from a basketball perspective, it's very interesting. But for now, it's all speculation because nothing's happened yet. The mayor seems pretty hesitant to make a change like that this soon. So yeah, it could really have a big effect on the Kyrie saga, and we could really see a big change for Brooklyn. But for now, well, I'll go ahead and pull back the curtain. I was going to say my wife's about to get home, but this time that's not true. She's going to be gone for like the next four hours, so... This is still a short-form podcast. I can't keep talking for four hours. So I think I'm going to go ahead and stop it right there. Thanks for listening, guys. Please be sure to rate and subscribe. I hope you enjoy the All-Star Weekend this weekend. And I'll catch you next time. 
This has been Hoops. Until my wife gets home. Peace. <laughs>